Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks for tuning in today. Amen. Well, stand up just for a quick moment. We got to get into the routine of bringing our Bibles to church. I don't know if you heard Dr. Tracy the other day when she admonished us to have your Bible, to have your journal. I don't know if if anybody took heed to that, but I'm telling you, there's no way that you can process and remember all this stuff, amen? So lift up your Bible and declare this after me. This is my Bible. Bible. I am what it says I am. I I have what it says I have. I I can do what it says I can do. do. This is God's Word word. speaking to me. me. My mind is receptive. My My heart is open. And I will never be the same. same. In Jesus' name, name. amen. 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 We'll go ahead and have have a seat here. I'm going to try and collect myself. It's never really happened to me before, amen. But uh, we're going to work with it and learn and grow together, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So today's message is more of a, of a teaching or what I would call an exhortation. Exhortation simply means it's, I'm trying to communicate uh, a point to you and, and strongly urge you to do something, so to, to get in gear and, and to get in action. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, you know, uh, with Dr. Tracy coming this, this past Sunday and Monday with the discipleship and just having over 120 people, you know, answer that call that they either want to be discipled or want to go make disciples. I mean, God is on the move, amen, and it's an awesome thing. I mean, revival is here. You know, revival doesn't always look like we think it looks, amen. Revival starts on the inside of you, and, and when there's a move of God, you got to recognize that, you know, it, it, it's, it's said that there's, there's three different types of people that, that uh, you know, some people, they, they make things happen, other people watch things happen, and then the, the, some people just stand around and go, what happened? You know, and let, let that not be us, amen? We want to make things happen. We want to be engaged in what it is that God's called us to do. But I just want to bring you up to speed. Behind the scenes here, we are in action. We are working on a strategy. You know, Dr. Tracy is very systematized. She, she has outlines and, and stuff to train people and equip people. You know, we could just give a bunch of materials out and say, hey, go do your own thing. You know, and it, it'd be like a dog chasing their tail. There'd be a lot of action, but not a lot of forward motion. So again, you know, if you were here Sunday and Monday and you're like wondering what's next, we've got tools and resources coming. We've got a plan that's, that's being put in place and, uh, you know, discipleship and changing people's lives is going to happen. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, let's get into this. So the, the uh, topic of my, um, what I'm going to talk about today is called the race of faith. And the race of faith. So, um, y- you know, anytime you enter into a race, there's, there's a few things that, that you want to know and that you want to understand. And I'm going to cover four points or four principles that we're going to talk about here today. Number one is we want to know how do I prepare for the race. So if you, you enter into a race, obviously it's going to be different if you're running a 100-yard dash or, or running a 5K or, Lord forbid, you know, anybody's crazy enough to run a marathon, 26.2 miles or an ultra marathon, you know, you need to know how do I prepare. And then the second thing is, is what's the purpose of the race? And what's the purpose of running? I have no idea. But uh, I'm not a big runner. I'm more of a, a weightlifter and so forth. But you need to know what the purpose is. The purpose is what fuels you to get you from where you're at to where it is that you want to go. That's your purpose. That's your why. That's your reason. So the, the third uh, 
part we're going to talk about in the race of faith is, is where's the finish line? We need to know what it is the destination. Where's the goal? What are we going or racing toward? You know, the, there's, uh, uh, you know, in youth sports and stuff, they always say it's not whether you win or whether you lose, it's how you play the game. And I'm like, that had to be coined by a loser. I mean, who is going to tell somebody it's not whether you win or lose? Of course we're out there to try to win. Now, I understand that it's about your attitude and giving your best effort and all that stuff, but until they cut those scoreboards down, there is a winner and there is a loser, and there's no participation trophies, amen? And especially when we're in the race of faith here, you know, there is a winner, and the good news is, is we can all win, and we're going to all win and as, as long as we get into this race and, and uh, you know, do the things that we talk about today. And then the fourth point that we're going to talk about is what is the prize? There needs to be a prize at, at, at the end of the race. Amen, and there is a prize if, if we stand fast till the end. So the base of scripture that we're going to be out of here today is, is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. And so, you know, we'll come back to that. We're going to kind of dissect it. I'm going to use other uh, scriptures to kind of line up along with it. But again, if you open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, you won't get off here today. So let's read it. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3 says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls." So as we, we, we break this down and, and tear it apart, you know, chapter 12, verse 1, the first word is, is therefore. And anytime you see the word therefore, you've got to figure out what, what is it therefore. So he says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So the context of this is, is Hebrews chapter 11, we all know, it's the hall of faith. You know, this is where, you know, he talks about all the great men and women of faith, people like Abel and Enoch, Noah, Abraham and Sarah, Samson, which, you know, who was at the men's breakfast yesterday? Did you guys love that or, or what? Um, but we talked about Samson yesterday and how he, he started out strong and, and then he finished, you know, he ended up finishing strong, but, you know, it got pretty dicey in the middle there, amen, and we don't want to have it happen that way. But, but the Apostle Paul, when he's talking here, really there shouldn't be a, a chapter break between 11 and 12. But again, you know, if, if this is one letter, but if we didn't have these chapter breaks, like say Hebrews 11 or Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, I'd have to say, you know, turn in your Bibles to, to Hebrews, like the 76th paragraph, and you'd have to count your way through. That's why there are these page breaks. So again, there shouldn't be a, there's, there's, the thought continues is what I'm trying to say here between Hebrews chapter 11 and, and, and 12. So, you know, this, this great cloud of witnesses this is what Paul is saying there. He's saying, you know, these people have went before us and they have paved the way. They have laid the foundation of faith. And, and we're to look back at, at their lives and as examples. And, and they've, they've tilled up the, the, the dry so, soil and, and made it fertile ground. And, and we're to grow on and, and, and amplify the things that, that they put in place. You know, it's kind of like pastors coming here 40 years ago with a vision a vision to build a supernatural church here in Sioux Falls, starting with a couple of families. You talk about, you know, a, a tough start and, and, and having to, to hoe some, some dry ground, amen? 
You know, and, it, and it's great that we're coming in with this strong foundation and that we can build on, on top of it. That's why it's so exciting, this discipleship thing and, and having everybody be so excited and wanting to make these disciples. It's just going to amplify and grow. It's going to help us not, you know, be a mile wide and an inch deep, but it's going to help us be wide and deep together, which is what we want. Amen? So he's talking about this cloud of witnesses, and it's almost like, you know, pretend Paul's up here and, he, and he's talking to us, and he's admonishing us, and, he, and he's saying, hey, when you look back, so if we go back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35 to 40 in the New Living, it says this about these, these heroes of faith. They had it rough. It says, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, say the race of faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. Verse 40 says, For God had something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. What was better for us? Well, this was before Christ came, amen? So Jesus Christ came. You know, you know the story. He, he suffered. He, he, he went to the cross. You know, right now he's seated at the right hand of God, and it's good that he's there because he sent the Holy Spirit to live and dwell within us. They didn't have the Holy Spirit, but yet they still finished their race, we have no excuses. Say no excuses. There are no excuses for us not finishing the race. Amen? And you know, this cloud of witnesses, a lot of times, you know, you think like, like people will say, oh, it's, it's like, you know, Noah and all these guys are like looking over the, the, the gates of heaven and, and looking down over the banister and looking on us. Well, that's not scriptural. You know, it's, it's awesome if your loved ones are in heaven, but they're not looking over and looking down upon us. They're with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, amen. They're consumed with him, and they're worshiping him and praising him and, and doing the things. And, and we're to be about our Father's business while we're here on earth, amen. So just realize, you know, we don't pray to saints. We don't pray to Jesus' mom. We pray to God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ, amen. And that's how it works. So point one is how do I prepare for the race? So again, this foundational scripture, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, it says, let us lay aside every weight. And so, you know, to prepare for the race, we've got we've to lay aside these weights. Okay, and you got to, you know, you go, okay, if I'm going to go out and run a marathon, that, that 26 miles, you want to be as light as possible. You know, most people that, that are really good marathon runners, they're very thin, they're very lean, you know, they wear the lightest shoes, they don't wear a whole, you know, they wear really light clothes. You would never see somebody out there with a 50-pound a pack on their back, you know, expecting to win the Olympic event of a marathon, right? Because they want to have as little weight as possible. And it's the same way in our lives. We want to we put aside a, a or lay aside those weights. So what are these weights? They're simply a burden or something so heavy and cumbersome that it impedes a runner from running his race as he should. Okay, that's how it is in, in racing and so forth. Again, like having a backpack on there. How is it in, in the spiritual realm? It could be worries. It could be cares. It could be wrong attitudes or, or fears. 
You know, these weights, what they do is, is, is these spiritual weights, they, they pull you down. These worries and these, these cares, they pull you down out of the, the spirit realm or out of the supernatural into the natural. And we're to be walking by faith and not by sight. We're to be walking above this stuff, amen? And so that's why the Bible says to throw off these weights, lay aside these weights so that you can run the race that I've called you to run, amen? First Peter 5, 7, you know it well. It says, cast your care on the Lord for he cares for you. I really like how the Passion Translation breaks it down. It says, pour out all your worries and stress. Do we have any worried or stressed out people in here today? You know, we live in the most prosperous nation in history. We have more abundance than ever before. Yet we're more worried, more stressed out, more overweight, more in debt. I mean, it's crazy. Abundance can bring comfort, which can bring complacency. Let it not be said about us again, amen? Pour all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. It says, leave them there, for he always tenderly cares for you. So again, how do you lay these weights aside? You take your worries and your cares and your stresses and you bring them to the cross, you bring them to Jesus, you bring them to him in prayer, but you leave them there. You know, I think about, you know, if, if our family's going through something, maybe it's a health issue or maybe it's a financial issue or, you know, pick one, right? It's, it's, it's about bringing your kids together. You know, it's not about showing our kids that our lives are so perfect. If we never let them see us struggle, they're going to have an unrealistic expectation of what life is like. Life is a challenge. It's not a negative confession. It just is what it is. I mean, life is challenging. You know, thank goodness we know, you know how to walk above it and so forth. But again, when you're challenged with something, bring your kids in and do it age appropriately. Don't get me wrong, but you know, bring them in and, and have them pray with you and believe God with you. And then when you get breakthrough for the answer, come back around so that they can start seeing God work, not just in church, but in your household and in your daily lives. Amen. You know, and what do kids do? You know, when you come together and you pray with your kids, when they walk away from that prayer, they go right back to their Legos or whatever it is that they're playing with, and they're not concerned with it. They're not stewing over it and, and, and worrying and caring about it anymore, and that's what we should do as well, because what does it say? Pour all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. I know easier said than done. You know, stuff that's not, that, that's real simple to do isn't always easy. I get that. But again, this is what we're called to do by the word of God, amen? Another way to say it is, is Philippians chapter four, verse six through eight. This is probably one of my favorite verses of scriptures here. I, I give this out all the time. It says, be anxious for nothing. And I've stood on this throughout you know, my Christian journey. But it says, be anxious or worry for nothing. But in everything, say everything. In prayer and supplication. So prayer is, is your, you talking to God. Supplication is you getting quiet and, and just spending time supping with him, Amen. With thanksgiving, so thankfulness. Thankfulness opens you up. A heart of gratitude opens you up to, to more of the things of God. You know, if, if you have an ungrateful attitude, it just shuts everything off. And again, every morning you should wake up and just have a thankful attitude. Thank God for, you know, a roof over your head and, and food in the fridge and, and, you know, a healthy family and just all the many blessings that you have because that gets you focused on, on what you have rather than what you don't have. Amen. So again, we pray supplication with thanksgiving. We let our requests be made known unto God. This is, the, this is the process. It's literally a step-by-step process. And not everything with God is a step-by-step process like this, but this particular thing to lay aside the weights so that you can run your race is. Amen? You do your part, and then here's his part. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God... That passes all understanding. What does that mean? It doesn't make any sense. 
doesn't make any sense that you can be walking through this storm, but you've got peace. And it's just like Jesus, you know, when, when or excuse me, like Peter, when, when Jesus called him out of the boat, as long as Peter kept his eyes fixed on Jesus, he was walking above the water. But as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus and he started to look at, at the storm around him, that's when he began to sink. And I know Peter gets ripped on, at least he got out of the boat. I mean, you know, I don't know anybody in here that's walked on water, Amen. But the peace of God, which passes all understanding, it'll guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. And that's what we're looking for. So we lay aside those weights, and, and it's going to God. You've got to spend time with him. Spend time in his word and, and you know, doing this thing. And it's being more intentional and, again, being a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. Uh, let's continue on Hebrews 12.1. So the next verse of Scripture, it says, after it says, lay aside, let us lay aside every weight... So that's one thing is the weights, and then the other thing is in the sin which so easily ensnares us. Another version says the, the sin that so easily besets us. You know, it, we all have kind of the, maybe that one or two things in our lives that, you know, the, I always tell people that the, the devil knows your candy, right? You're walking along, and, and man, you feel like you're free of stuff. Maybe it's anger, you know, and, and you've been doing good, and you haven't flipped out at, uh, you know, the red light or people driving or anything like that, and then your, your kids are all of a sudden having a real bad day, and all of a sudden, boom, you just flip out again, and that, there's that anger again. And, and this old man or this old woman, they never die. They just go dormant, you know, so it's whichever one you feed. If you're feeding your spirit, your spirit's going to be strong and, and, and spiritual things. And the word of God is going to come out if, if you're putting the word of God in. But if you're not putting the word of God in and you're putting other things in, then, then your flesh man or your flesh woman is strong. And then when temptation comes and, and so forth, guess what? You're going to fail each and every time. Amen? So it says the sin which so easily ensnares us, that's one of the things that we've got to prepare for the race. Otherwise, those sins are going to hold us back. So what are these sins? Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Go ahead and flip forward uh, the King James. I can't hardly understand what the, those even say. So go to that Passion Translation. Go to the, the next one. So it says, these are very clear. The behavior of the self-life is obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography. Those first three all have to do with sexual... The, the top three written 2,000 years ago, or whenever this was written... The top three have to do with sexual sins. It's a problem. Amen? And we got to lay them aside. Chasing after things instead of God. I know I've been guilty of that. Chasing a bigger house, nicer cars, all that stuff. There's nothing wrong with having that stuff. But make sure you're, you're seeking the, the blesser rather than the blessing. Amen? Manipulating others. Boy, I used to be a master manipulator before Christ. I've been delivered from that. Amen? Hatred of those who get in your way. Senseless arguments, say Facebook. Resentment when others are favored. Temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, Instagram selfies. Being in love with your own opinions. Being envious of the blessings of others. Murder, uncontrolled addictions, that's rampant nowadays. Wild parties and all other similar behaviors. I mean, this is just some of the list of sins and things that, that we can struggle with. Amen. And we're to put those things aside. So how do we remove the sin that so easily ensnared us? You know, 1 John 1, 9, it gives us the best way to do it. It says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's, that's uh, you know, John basically talking to the believers here. He's saying, hey, 
nothing wrong with you coming forward. You come forward, you get saved, but you don't have to keep coming forward time after time after time because I, I, I use that scripture all the time. If I see somebody coming forward, I always say this, the second best thing to, knowing, or to being saved is knowing that you're saved. So we go back and we talk about that you know that you know that you're sure that you're saved and that when you do mess up, because we're gonna mess up, especially when we first start this, this journey and this path out, all you have to do is go to God. And he says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He forgets them as far as the east is from the west. We're the one that keep bringing it up. We feel guilt, we feel shame, and we get stuck by our past sins. And those sins, you see how that can hold you back? And when you're trying to run the race of faith, if you're held back by those sins or, or by those weights, you can see how you're not gonna run as fast as you need to run. Now, sometimes we get you know, tripped up where we need, we need some help. And, and the Bible gives us help. It says, James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So again, if you get to a point where maybe you're a new believer and you're like, hey, I, I just can't overcome this. Or even if you're a mature believer, there's, there's no guilt or condemnation or, or shame in that and, and coming and saying, I need help. And that's really hard as a man. That's why we're meeting monthly now for the Iron Sharpens Iron, so we can come together as men and grow together. And it's not just once a year where you get up on this mountaintop and it's all awesome. And then, you know, two weeks later, you're back in the, in the routine of life and we got to wait for, you know, another 50 weeks to, to get back in and, and, and get sharpened up again. Amen. But what do you do here? You go to a, a Christian brother or sister and, and you say, hey, I'm battling X, Y, and Z. And obviously, you got to be careful who you go to. I'm, I'm thankful that i got a couple men in my life that I, I can go and I can share anything. And there's not like, uh, you know, like, like the verbal response of like, you know, geez, what are you doing? I mean, you should be above this. There's, there's no judgment that way, right? What do they do? They pray for me. Maybe if I was a, a younger believer, maybe they'd find a couple scriptures that would help me to overcome this sin that, that keeps tripping me up. You know, maybe the, the sin is anger. And maybe they pull a scripture out that says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And, and then they say, hey, every day, confess this thing. It's like medicine, morning, noon, and night. Confess it over and over and over. And what happens when the word of God, the incorruptible, indestructible seed of the living God, when that seed goes in you, it'll push out those sins that easily beset you, and that'll remove those sins from your life so you can run the race strong and finish strong. Amen? So we spend a lot of time on preparation because Preparation's the key, but eventually we gotta get in action. So the second thing here is, is, is what is the purpose of the race? Why am I racing in the first place? Why would I wanna get into this race in the first, first place? And like I said earlier, the purpose is the fuel that's gonna keep driving you down the course, down the race course to keep you rolling. You know, every Memorial Day in the gym, we do this horrific workout, it's called the Murph. So this guy, uh, Lieutenant Mike Murphy, you know, in CrossFit, they, they'll take a lot of fallen soldiers. He died back in 2005. You know, they were surrounded by troops and, and he literally sacrificed his life. He, literally, he got shot 14 times, but he still picked up the radio, letting, you know, uh, support know where they were at and he lost his life in battle, but, but he died a hero and he loved doing this workout. And the workout is, is it's a one mile run followed by uh, 100 pull-ups, uh, 200 uh, push-ups, 300 uh, bodyweight squats, and then another mile run. And again, we do it every Memorial Day, and you go, well, why would you do that? Well, I never served in the military. So it's my opportunity to do something that, you know, is not even 1% of what, what, what they do for us, but again, it's an opportunity to get in and do something that stinks, that's hard, that's difficult, 
in remembrance of these guys. And I remember, you know, it's not too bad getting through it, but at the end, that last mile, when you start running after doing those, those 300 squats, your legs are just, it's like concrete on both of your legs. And I mean, but for some reason this year, I had in my mind, I was like, you know, if this guy had kids, you know, I thought about my youngest son, Max, and, and like, what if I, I left my son? And, and, and how, you know, the, the challenge that that, that that little boy is having right now, you know, and, and, and that this stinks for maybe... 40 or 45 minutes or whatever, but it's nothing compared to, you know, the lifetime of struggle that he's going to have growing up without a father. Amen? But that's purpose. Thinking of that little boy without his dad, that's what drove me to finish that. Otherwise, I could have quit. There was no prize. There was nobody that knew other than maybe posting your time on Facebook or something like that. Amen? So again, you need to have purpose. Hebrews chapter 12, as we're getting through verse 2, it says, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That word endurance is also the word patience in some of the, the translations. Who does not like the word patience besides me? Let me hear an amen. The attitude of a person who is under a very heavy load but have decided. Say decided. It starts with a decision. They decided to stay put and stand firm. They refuse to move from his commitment regardless of how difficult the challenges that are placed on him. So patience, it's, it's somebody that's steadfast. They're not going to quit. They're not going to give up. This word race, so let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This word race, uh, in, in the, the Greek, it, it's agona. It's to struggle or wrestle. It's where we get the word agony. Pretty fitting for, for running a, a marathon or something like that. It's agony. It always starts out well, right? You get the new shoes, you get the new outfit, you're ready to start working out, man, you're gung-ho. And then all of a sudden you get in there and man, it's tough. You got to start sweating, you know, and it's like, hey, that late night infomercial said I just do like a cabbage soup diet, and in 48 hours, the weight just comes off. I'd much rather do that than this. And it's like the next day after working out, the toilet goes from this high to like this high because your legs are so sore. You know, who, who feels me here? Amen? You know, it, it's tough when you first get started. But two weeks in, 100 times out of 100, people say, man, if I knew how much energy I had, I would have started a long time ago. If I knew how good I would feel, I knew you know, how strong and, and, and just the confidence that I'm getting and, and taking care of my body and getting fit, you know, the agony would have been worth it, amen? And you gotta be patient to end up going through that. So we don't quit when it gets difficult. You know, there's, there's three types of people in life. There's quitters, and then there's campers, and there's climbers. And you know, the... The quitter group, you know, it's kind of the 20, 60, 20. 20%, 60%, 20%. And you wouldn't be here on a Sunday morning if you were a quitter, so I'm not lumping you in this boat, but here's, here's the quitters. You know, they start something and then they stop. They're always excited about things, but here's the deal. Heard a friend say, the first time you quit something, man, be the hardest thing you ever did. It'll eat you up on the inside. It'll tear you apart. But the second time you quit, it gets a little bit easier. And then the third time you quit something, it's who you are. You're a quitter. And again, none of you are quitters in here today, amen? Then you have this, this group over here that's the climbers. They're the ones that just do it. They, they walk by faith. They're overcomers. They're, they're just doing it. They're in motion. And I think the, the group in the middle, the campers, it's, it's kind of like all of us on, on Monday night, the, the people that want to be discipled and want to do the disciple. You know, maybe you were kind of camping out. Maybe you were on cruise control. I've been there where I've drifted off and it's like everybody stood up and they made that decision. They drew that line in the sand and now they're ready to go from camping out to climbing. 
And that's how we got to be, amen. We want to be in that climbing group, all of us. And imagine if we all get in unity and harmony and moving in the same direction with the vision to just make disciples out of other people, how this will multiply and grow and the lives that will be changed as a result of it. The purpose of the church is what we just talked about. It's the Great Commission, to go and make disciples. There's mission, vision, and purpose. Again, vision of Faith Family Church is to build a supernatural church. Mission is where everybody gets messed up because they think, well, what our mission is, everybody's mission should be. Some church's mission is to have multiple uh, you know, congregations, multiple places, six, seven, eight, ten, you know, multiple places. Others, you know, it's it, Union Gospel mission is to feed and house the homeless. And again, to, to, to develop those people up, that's their mission. Our mission is to teach people faith, to build and strengthen the family unit. And it's like, say, stay in your lane. That's mission. You gotta stay in your lane. But the purpose of the church, the body of Christ as a whole, whether it's Union Gospel Mission, whether it's Faith Family Church, or any church, the purpose of the body of Christ is to go and make disciples. And that's what we're doing, amen. The purpose of you in this race, Paul said it best. So you have a, a corporate vision, but then you have a personal vision. The purpose of, of, of us as Christians in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, here's what Paul said. He, said. he said, my purpose is that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being comforted to his death. This is the purpose right here, that I may know him. It's what it's all about. We make this thing so complex, so complicated. It's about you getting born again, being a disciple, growing in your relationship with the Father, not a bunch of rules, not a bunch of, you gotta pray this and you gotta you know, do that. Yeah, baptism and all these various things are absolutely you know, on the, 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 the track of, of maturity and so forth, but that stuff doesn't save you, amen? So it's, it's getting saved, but it's, it's growing up in that, and then as you're growing up, you know, it's kind of like Travis and, and his friend Sid back there. You know, Travis, he grew up, he, he came out of the stuff that he was in, the struggles that he was battling, you know, and, and he kind of crossed the finish line, and, and then, you know, standing there going, gosh, is this it? Do I just, you know, I, I get free, and no, no, he went back and he finds people like Sid and, and, and other people and he, and he locks arms with them and, and he grows them up and he develops them up and that's what a climber does, amen? They help other people across the finish line because it's all about knowing him. And that's all we're doing is, is we're trying to teach you how to spend time with him, how to spend time in his word, how to grow in his word. That's it. And then you duplicate that process. But we make it so complicated and I'm the master of complication all I'll say that, you know, but uh, keep it simple. Amen? Where's the finish line? So Titus chapter 2, verse 12 through 14, and the New Living, it says this. We're instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. Sounds like sin. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. So we live in the world, but we're not of the world. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. That's the finish line right there. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. He's already finished his race, amen? He's standing at the finish line and he's saying, hey, I've paved the way. Now the way is gonna be different, not Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's not many ways. This isn't Oprah. There isn't many ways to God the Father. There's only one way, amen? However, your race is gonna look a little bit different than others, what did it say earlier? 
The gifts and callings of God are without reproach. I was sharing that with, with Max yesterday, my, my 12-year-old. I said, hey, buddy, when you go down here, I said, you're like your dad. Like it or not, I said, we're thinkers. And that means that our, the gift that God has given us to really think and be able to process things, I said, you're gonna be able to solve some big problems one day. However, it can keep you paralyzed. They call it analysis or, or paralysis by analysis. You analyze so much, but you never take action, so you end up getting paralyzed. So I said, buddy, I'm gonna help you work through this gift and help you develop this gift and talent and so forth. But again, um, you know, that, that, that's the race or, or the path that God has for me. It's the path that God has for him. But you've got to figure out what your own gifts and talents are. And you do that by spending time with God. And I remember when Noah was little and he'd be in racing other people. And, you know, when they're little, they're, they're running along. And what do they do? They start looking, looking at their buddy. And I'm like, dude, don't start laughing and don't start looking off to the side because you go the fastest when you're looking straight ahead. And it's the same way with us, amen? You go the fastest when you're looking straight ahead. Don't worry about what, what the gifts and talents of those that are around you are. Worry about what your gifts and talents are. Feel, feeling like T.D. Jakes up here or something. I'm starting to, <laughs> to sweat. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, where is the finish line? It, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That was the finish line. You know, the Bible says that, uh, for God so loved the world. You know, we always say, you know, Jesus loved you so much, he gave his life for you. Really, Jesus was about his father's business. The father loved the world so much that he gave his only son. And the son was just doing what the father told him to do. He was being obedient. And we're sons and daughters. And so we're just supposed to be obedient to the father as well. Figuring out what our course is, what our path is, what our race is, and what's the finish line. We're looking forward to the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. Whether it's his coming, it could be today. So many people, we've gotten so comfortable, we don't talk about the Lord's coming anymore. I remember when I was down in Florida, there was this, this minister where he said every morning he'd pull up the, the blinds and he'd look out and he'd say, Lord, are you coming today? And that made him intentional about every day waking up, looking for the coming of the Lord. Otherwise, what happens? We can get complacent. We can just start drifting, right? Drifting out of our lane, back into the old habits, back into the old, putting the old weights on, the old sins on and all that stuff rather than running our race, and that's the big thing with all of this. What's the, what's the exhortation? Hey, you start out crawling, then you start walking, then you start jogging, but it's time to start running. Amen? Who's ready to start running? Amen. Amen. So what's the prize? Second Timothy, there, there's a prize at the end. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 through 8. It, it, this is Paul. He's, he's, he's right before he's, he's going to die. He knows he's going to die. He says, I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. Say faithful. There's something about faithfulness. I'm telling you, you guys don't realize what it means to Pastor Mike and Pastor Vicki that you show up here every Sunday and every Wednesday and you're faithful. It makes a difference, amen? And there's something I've just watched over the years being here going on whatever, 19 years or whatever. I've just seen the families that have been faithful that long. There's just something different. They still have struggles. They still have challenges. But when they're faithful and they stay the course, stuff just starts happening over time. It doesn't seem like it's, it's right away, but it's kind of the compound effect. It's like Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, you know, men's breakfast, whatever. You look back and you kind of like, man, I haven't really come that far. But before you know it, you're Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, you know, and you keep being faithful. And now all of a sudden you look back and you're like, wow, 
Look how far I've come. It's that way in everything in life, in your fitness, in your finances. It's, it's like a hockey stick. It seems like nothing's happening, but eventually it seems like, you ever heard of overnight success? Yeah, sitting there for going on 20 years, a 20-year overnight success, right? You know, I mean, that's kind of any, anybody's life. You realize it takes work, discipline, and faithfulness. Amen? We're wrapping this up here, so going to land this plane. I have fought the good fight of fate. I finished the race, and I've remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. Here's the prize, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. That's us, you guys. We need to be looking forward, uh, looking eagerly forward to his appearing. And here's how you do it. Again, you plan each and every day like you're going to live forever. But you wake up and you live like today is the last day. Plan, plan like you're going to live forever. Live like each day is your last. And that'll keep you a good balance and a good focus on, on what's, what's important and so forth. All right, we wrap all this up. This scripture, once again, from top to bottom. Because what are we doing here? What, what, what's the four things? We're, we're preparing, figuring out what our purpose is, where's the finish line, and what's the prize. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, the finish line, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You know, the first step of before even you can enter into the race, I don't know if there's somebody that, that, that can play, but if they have some background music, but before you can even get into the race, you've got to get in, in the game, so to speak. And, and you go, how do you do that? Well, the Bible calls it being born again. You know, back years ago, Adam and Eve in the garden, they were given a commandment, don't, tr- don't touch the, or, or eat off the tree of uh, the knowledge of good and evil. They disobeyed God. All they had to do was obey God, but they disobeyed God. That disobedience created a separation between God and men. And we were born into that. It's not something you did or didn't do. You were just born into it. But the way to to repair that relationship, not religion, but the way to repair that relationship with the Father is by being born again. Jesus Christ is, is the bridge. He's the one who came. Again, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his very best gift 2,000 years ago. He did everything then. You know, you're accepted, you're received, but you have to take action with this. It's not just making a decision, but it's, it's taking action with that decision. You go, well, how do I get born again? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Again, I don't understand it. I don't understand what happened in here and then how all this, you know, change was going on and my mind's going like, why am I now walking by a piece of paper that I could care less about and then something inside of me is telling me to go back, pick that piece of paper up and throw it away. That's like, God, that's the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. That's the fruit of the Spirit after you get born again that starts manifesting in your life. You truly start loving other people. 
instead of lusting. And what, what we learned yesterday, that lust gets at the expense of others, where love gives at the expense of self. And the only way that you can have that change is through a, a, a renewed spirit. You need to be born again. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30. We also have a midweek service on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.